We like to read one verse. It was in the Sunday school lesson this morning. If you missed it, uh, it's thought has been on my heart. It's, it's I've been studying on this the last couple of weeks, and it's kind of a tricky subject and a difficult subject. And uh, it, I preached a while back about being in, in one accord. And being of one accord in a church is, is a difficult thing, but at the same time, it's an easy thing. We can be of one accord on the work of God and still have different opinions on what color the carpet should be, right? That, that's easy. That, that's easy to do. We can have different opinions about cosmetic things as long as we're the same about the work of the Lord. Uh, this afternoon in, in chapter number 3, verse number 3, the Bible says, Can two walk together except they be agreed? And uh, a lot of times we, we like to see that as well. We, we can't... Walk together with our brothers and sisters in Christ in church unless we agree on everything. And tonight I want to look at it from the aspect of we can't walk with God unless we are in agreement with Him. To agree is to have the same opinion about something. Do you know God has opinions? Do you believe that God has opinions? We can't walk with God unless we agree with Him. We can't walk with God unless we are in uh, one of the definitions, whenever you, you, you do your phone, whether it's Alexa or Google Assistant or Cortana or Siri, whatever it may be, you, you can't do that on your phone uh, without every, knowing everything about you. And so this afternoon when I was trying to figure out exactly what Webster said about the word agree, I asked, I asked my phone and it said to be in harmony. I said, well, that fits. I'm going to harmony tonight. To be in harmony is to, to be in unison, to not have anything driving a wedge between you, to not have anything that you're disagreeing on to the point that you cannot function with other humans. Now, I understand that, that sometimes we have to go to work with people that cheer on Alabama. That don't mean we have to like them. It just means that we have to go to work with them. We disagree on that. Whenever uh, somebody's playing in the Super Bowl, if you have a room full of 30 people, you're going to have two people that, that have different opinions, that has different sides. But one person that we should always agree with is God. Why? Why should we always agree with God? He's always right. If we disagree with God, we're wrong. One thing that, that has always kind of surprised me, and I guess I, I've come to understand it more and more, whenever people are feeding babies, you can take whatever you want to that baby right there. And you can take whenever she gets just a little bit hungry, and you can take put anything close to her mouth. Guess what? She's opening her mouth. It's coming. You can be feeding her something bad. I did it with a piece of sausage. She ain't ready for sausage. And yet whenever that fork got close to her mouth, she, she wanted that sausage. They open their mouth out of faith. They open their mouth because they believe what you're giving them is good. They, they take that because they trust. And, and, and it, may, it may not be that they actually know that they trust you because they don't. It's something that's built into them. They trust someone who's, who's trying to give them something. And a lot of times kids have that built into them. It's amazing the, the mind of a child. Uh, who's that? I think it's Gold City that sings, uh, Ain't it crazy what children believe? Love lasts forever. Mom and daddy stay together. Cheaters never win. And a promise is something you keep. It's crazy what children believe. And yet, all too many times as adults, we're not that trusting. We don't believe that much because the world has hurt us. God hasn't hurt us. The world has hurt us, but God hasn't hurt us. And so why, why do we put so much faith and trust into this world and we don't put it in God? 
We agree with things in this world and we disagree in things in this world and that's all well and good. But whenever we come to fall out of agreement with God, whenever we can no longer walk together in agreement with God, that's whenever we're going to begin to struggle. That's whenever things are going to begin to get hard. That will be the beginning of all sorrows in our life. The Bible in the book of Daniel talks about the, the desolation of abomination, talking about the tribulation period. And he, he said that, that that second three and a half years, whenever it begins, that that will be the beginning of all sorrows. That that will be the, that will be the most awfulest time. That if you thought these first three and a half years was bad, you just wait till we get these second three and a half years. That's what he's talking about. That is the beginning of all sorrows. And whenever we as Christians begin to fall out of fellowship with God, whenever we begin to no longer walk in agreement with Him, then we have began the time in our life that is the beginning of all sorrows. Walking without God is, is somewhere that we don't ever want to find ourselves. It's somewhere that we don't ever want to be. A few years ago, we went to Indianapolis with some kids from school, my wife and, and two of them. And we went to a cave up there called, uh, what was that called? Mammoth. Mammoth Cave. It's a humongous cave. They took us on a tour, guys, and we went down what seemed like forever. And whenever we got down there, they said, don't touch anything. So I put a rock in my pocket. Naturally, I wanted a piece of history. And then we got down there, and they set us in this big auditorium about the size of this church. They had benches down there, and they said, everybody sit down. We're going to turn the lights off. Okay. We're several hundred feet below the ground. I know that because we climbed downstairs for what seemed like forever. They turned off the lights. And you could do this, and you could not see yourself. You could do this, and you couldn't see anything. You could take and, and blow on the back of somebody's neck, and they would jump and scream and holler because they couldn't see nothing. It was totally and completely dark. At no point in time could you see anything. And that's what it's like walking without God. That's what it's like being outside of, of agreeance with God. And agreeance is a word. I had to look that one up too. Spelled A-G-G-R-E-E-A-N-C-E. -E -E. uh, I didn't know you could put three vowels together, but it turns out Webster did. To be out of agreement with God is to be out of fellowship with Him. To disagree with Him on, on absolutely anything will be catastrophic. You, your mom always told, my mom always told me, well, how come I got to do this? Because I said so. Why? Because she was right. Most of the time. We like to say most of the time. Because sometimes we want to be right. With God, we're not right. With God, He's always right. With God, if, if we disagree, then we're in the wrong. With God, if we talk back, we're in the wrong. With an algebra teacher, sometimes they can be wrong. With God, he, he's not wrong. He can't be wrong. If for some reason we disagree with him on anything, we're the ones in the wrong. We have too much pride to admit it. Why do Christians butt head with God? Why do we like to fuss and fight and argue with God? We can't do it physically because he's not standing here in front of me. So how do we do it? How do Christians fight with God? Flip over, if you would, to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. As Christians, we cannot physically fight God. Whenever we do decide that we want to disagree with God or argue with God or fuss with God, you know what that's like. That's like me as a Christian standing here, and if I want to fuss with God, I'm stomping on my own foot. If we're going to fight with God, we're hurting ourselves. If we're going to fight with God, we're like the guy that's riding the bicycle. And he takes a broomstick and he sticks it in the spokes and he falls over and he's oh I'm hurt. He did it his own self. If you've never done it, try it. It's a lot of fun. 
Just drive your bicycle and take a broom handle. As you're driving along, wheels are spinning, you just stick that broom handle in them spokes. And the, the craziest thing will happen. You will crash. You will fall. You will probably hurt something. And there's a lesson well learned. That is what it's like fighting God. You it, 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 it hurt yourself. You're thinking, I'll teach him. I'm right. Well, we're not. And the faster you ride, the harder it hurts. The more you believe in yourself, the harder it hurts. The more damage that you do. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. Verse number 14. Paul here said, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. As a Christian, we consist of two individual parts. We consist of our fleshly body, and we consist of the Holy Spirit that dwells within our spiritual person. We consist of two parts that are constantly at odds. So as a Christian person, essentially, we are yoked up with an unbeliever. Because as a Christian, I believe, but I still fight against this flesh. I still fight against the nature of man, which is to lie, cheat, steal, do wrong, hit people, be ugly to people, be mean to people, kick dirt on things, throw a rock at a vehicle. That's what the fleshly man is telling me to do. Maybe not all the time, but you understand. It is a constant battle. Paul here is saying, be not unequally yoked up with unbelievers. He's talking about it in, in this world, not to join ourselves together with an unbeliever. But it goes right down to our spiritual person as well. He said it's extremely difficult. He said, for what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? What point in time in our life, to, if, if we decide that God is no longer right, that we no longer agree with Him, that we no longer believe that, that God says to abstain, to avoid fornication. But it's okay if I just if I just try a little bit. The Bible says to be sober. Not to let anything mess with your mind. But everybody out there is taking these pills that says they make them feel so good. It's still wrong. The Bible says not to take the name of the Lord in vain. But if I'm really, really mad still not all right. Whenever we allow that fleshly man to come through, we are then unequally yoked. We are then mixing God's righteousness which dwells within us in the form of the Holy Spirit with the unrighteousness of our fleshly person. Because we allow that to overcome our spiritual will. You know we have a spiritual will? Sometimes it's strong. Sometimes it's not. How much we agree with God, how close we walk with God, determines how strong our spiritual will is. We're either going to be strong enough to come to church, to want to come to church, or we're not. We're going to be strong enough to read God's Word, or not. We're going to be strong enough to pray, or not. There's no middle ground. No man can serve two masters. You can't sit straddle the fence without it hurting. It don't work that way. God is either priority or He's not. We either agree with Him or we don't. Flip back to 1 Corinthians. If you would. 
chapter number 10. Excuse me, chapter number 1. Verse number 10. Paul here speaking to the church at Corinth. He said, Now I beseech you, brother, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you. Talking about the spiritual church, talking about the house of God, the spiritual body of Christ, that there be no divisions among you. If we're going to dwell in unison with Christ, if we're going to be in one accord with God, if we're going to allow God to, uh, to do His work through our life, if we're going to be submitted to His will, there can be no division between us and Him. What does it mean to have a division among the church? Half the church wants a baptistry. Half the church don't want a baptistry. Biblically, neither one of them has a foundation for their argument. But they go in separate directions and they never see each other again. And you had a church that was once a powerhouse for God that is close to closing doors. You have these people over here that want a fellowship hall. These over here that don't want a fellowship hall. All of a sudden, they don't want to see each other again. They want to be there again. If there's division between us and God, it's, it's going it's to cause a split. The divorce rate in America has surpassed 50%. quickly surpassed 50%. So of the people married today, chances are better than average that over half of them will end up divorced. It's pitiful, but it's true. For some reasons, divorces are good. The Bible teaches on it. For others, it's because people could not agree. It's because people could not be faithful. It's because people could not be submissive to God, to each other. And they splits because they don't agree. If we don't agree with God, there's, there's going to be a division. There's going to be a split. It's going to be the beginning of a terrible, terrible time. So the question I have this evening and the question that God laid on my heart is, is how do we get there? How do we get to the point that we can walk in agreement with God, that, that we can walk together with Him and agree? Amos said that, that you can't walk together if you don't agree. So how do we walk together if we do agree? Well, my wife and I, uh, we used to hike, not anymore. It's hard to hike with a little one. But we used to hike, and we, when we went on our honeymoon, we hiked all over the mountains, wherever it was, South Carolina? South Carolina. <coughs> all over the place we hiked and we went and we went and, uh, and it's, it's, it's hard it's difficult because whenever we're walking we're holding hands like a sweet couple that loves each other and we're walking and we're walking. I'm taking my big steps and she, she's taking my steps and it takes her forever to catch up me and it takes her forever to keep up with me and it is extremely difficult for somebody that, that, that's short like her and takes very very short steps and somebody that's tall and long like me and takes large steps it's hard for us to walk together so what do we have to do what do you have to do if you're going to walk together with a short person? You have to shorten your steps. You have to compromise. You have to become in agreement with them. Because if she wants to take short steps, and I don't want to, then we're not agreed. And we cannot walk together. And that's what I need to say. If two people don't agree, if they don't come together and agree with each other, then there's no way that they can walk 
together. So how do we get there? John, Jesus said in John 15, excuse me, John 14 and 15, He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If we're going to walk together with God, we have to keep His commandments. If we say that we love Jesus and we don't keep His commandments, what does that say? Here's a simpler example. I say I can fly. Nobody's ever seen me fly. So what does that say? That says I'm a liar. So if I say I love Jesus, but you don't see that in my life, I don't have a faithful walk with Christ. I don't have a faithful relationship with God. What does that say about me? He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, prove it. Flip over, if you would, Acts in chapter 5. I'll tell you what, go ahead and go to John 8. Acts in chapter 5, the apostles are questioned. <laughs> and you know Peter, he, he's, he's always the first one to speak. Well, after his uh, encounter denying Jesus three times, he was a little bit slower to speak. After Christ was crucified and came back, and Jesus, uh, Peter saw him ascend, he was a lot slower to speak. And whenever they were questioned, the apostles and Peter said, they said, we ought to serve God rather than men. That's what we ought to do. And I love that word ought to in there. Because it's kind of the way we talk. It makes sense. It made me really relate to Peter. In the New King James Version, that word ain't there. It's a shame. He said, that's what we ought to do. That's what we should do. That's what we better do. How come we don't? He said that we ought to obey God rather than men. John in chapter 8. I'm going to get over there eventually. One page at a time. John in chapter 8, verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on Him, If you continue in My word, then you are My disciples indeed. Peter said, I'll believe God before I believe men. Jesus said, If you believe in Me, if you have believed in Me, if you have My if you have me, if I'm a priority, if, if you believed in God, if you're walking with God, then you are my disciples indeed if you continue in my word. If we're Christians, prove it. Continue in the word of God. What does it mean to continue in the word of God? To obey the word of God. What's the word of God say? All kinds of stuff. Do you know what it says? Do you know what God tells us to do? There's a Facebook page I get a lot of I get a lot of encouragement from it. There's a lot of scripture that comes from it. If you want to go hunt it down, it's called Dude D U D E Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. And the 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 deal behind the whole it's it's a King James Version only page, they get kind of blasted for that. But the premise behind the whole whole Facebook page is read your Bible. Everything is read your Bible. Study your Bible. On Sundays, it's go to church. This morning, their post was roses are reds, violets are blue. Uh, get your butt in a pew. It made a lot of sense to me. The other day, they put one on there. It said a Baptist, a Methodist, and a Catholic walked into a Restaurant. You know what the punchline of the joke is? It don't matter. Read your Bible. Read 
your Bible. If you don't know what Jesus said, read your Bible. If you don't know what God's commandments are, read your Bible. If you don't know how to walk in a positive relationship with God, read your Bible. If you want to draw closer to God, read your Bible. If you want to know why God does some of the things that He does, read your Bible. If you want to know what God wants you to do, read your Bible. Don't take my word for it. Don't take the Sunday school teacher's word for it. Don't believe what you read on Facebook. Read your Bible. Believe God. Period. That's as far as it goes. He said, if, if, you, if you believed in me, if you continue in my word. Verse 32 is absolutely beautiful. It should be a challenge to each and every one of us. He said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. It is amazing how quickly our eyes can open whenever we see what's really there. This morning we read about Elisha's servant whose eyes were open and he saw the armies of God. But far too many times in our life we, we ignore the armies of God because we don't want to do what God wants us to do. Whenever we allow ourselves to open our spiritual eyes, whenever we allow ourselves to see what God has for us in our life, it is a beautiful thing. I know the term here is, is often used in the wrong way. But the truth of God will set us free. It will give us peace that otherwise we'll never know. It will give us guidance that otherwise we'll never be able to grab a hold of. He said, continue in my word. And you are my disciples indeed. Flip over if you would to the Old Testament Deuteronomy. Chapter number 28. If you read your Bible, you know exactly where I'm headed. I'm not going to begin and try to quote this verse. But it's a very, very, very common passage of Scripture. Deuteronomy chapter number 28. Verse number 1. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of thy Lord, uh, excuse me, the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments which I command thee this day, the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all the nations of the earth. You believe America was once there? You believe, believe that? Blah, 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 blah. You believe that America was once set on high above all the nations of the earth? Why? Why was America set on high? Why were we the best? World War champions back to back. Why? America was founded on godly principles. America was founded on being able to worship God. It's the reason, it, it's the, reason the people left. The reason they showed up over here is because they wanted to worship God. America has slipped from that. Have we? A lot of us grew up in church. One of the most discouraging things that I've ever heard in my life, bar none. I heard a kid say one time, Mama, do we have to come back to church tonight? That's one of the most discouraging things I've ever heard. If it's a question of whether or not we have to come to church, we need to rethink our relationship with God. Because we currently do not agree with him. Because he said to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. He said to, to exhort, to love, to show love to others, to witness, to assemble more as we see the day approaching. 
And yet we try real hard to assemble the list. If we say, do I have to go to church today? We're saying it wrong. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. All over this world there are people who want to serve God and cannot. Just listen to some of the missionaries that come back. The ones that were here, they say the people, they're suffering because of they're suffering because they want to serve God and can't. And we can serve God and we choose not to. They're driving all over to try to be a witness. And we're around hundreds of people a day and we're not. Because we're not in agreement with God. Matthew, Mark, Acts all tells us to go into this world to be a witness. And we don't do it. He told his people here, the children of Israel, he said... If thou shalt hearken diligently. What does that mean? I understand that's old English and it's, it's difficult. What does hearken mean? Hearken means to listen to. To pay very, very, very close attention to. To look up. To train your eyes. To pay attention like the teacher is giving out the answers and tomorrow's a test. Pay attention. Diligently. What does it mean to be diligent? If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Diligence means to stick with it. It's not only does he tell his people that if you'll hearken unto my words, they didn't have the whole Bible. They had words that was literally given from God to a man. And then it was given to them. All they had was words. And he told them, he said, if you'll hearken unto my words. He gave us the Bible because he makes us that same promise. He said, if you'll listen diligently. He said, if you'll pay attention more often. If you'll prioritize me in your life. If you will agree with me. We come back in fellowship with God whenever we obey him. We come back in fellowship with God whenever we hearken diligently to the words that are in between the bindings of our Bible. To be in agreement with God is to have the same opinion. God asks us to obey Him. God asks us to love Him. We can't ever love Him as much as He loved us. He asked us to try he said, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God has given us everything, and He only asked us to give our life back to Him. Oh, I have a verse of a song. We ask for